Hello, and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. Do you all like gumballs? Uh, um, mm. <laughs> okay, I did not expect this, this question, question to trip you up so much. Harder question than I thought. In theory, yes, but I feel like in practice, they're always kind of disappointing. I don't have a strong opinion about that. I don't have the mental capacity to have a strong opinion about gumballs. <laughs> My kids freaking love gumballs. Well. And they call them gumballs. That's very good. That's cute. And I would like them more if they were called gumballs, I think. They, uh, uh, I got this. I thought it was the perfect intersection of uh, interests for my two children. Charlie likes to build things, construct things, especially if it's like um, a court, like an obstacle course type thing, like something that has multiple pieces, like a domino kind of idea, you know? Mm-hmm. She loves those Joseph's machines mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. watch online when he builds all the, you know, complicated Mm -hmm. machines to do simple tasks and all that stuff anyway so uh and cooper of course loves gumballs so (laughs) charlie likes building things and cooper (laughs) likes chewing gumballs i I thought the other side of this was going to be cooper likes destroying things (laughs) that is the way (laughs) she likes gumballs so i found a kit where you can uh build your own gumball machine complete with gumballs Okay. Um, and the idea is like, it's just like basically the stand and then the like globe top. But then you build the track that goes oh. around and it's like yeah. a tall stand. So it has like a curvy track that goes around and you can put different things. There's like a pulley thing and like a little test tube that'll flip over thing and little like ping pong sh- or not ping pong. Um, pinball. Pinball. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> thing that you can shoot the gumball. It's great. And uh, we constructed the gumball machine. That was great fun. It sounds like there's a butt coming after this yeah. at some point. Uh, Cooper now orders a gumbel with every meal. <laughs> when I say, what does everybody want for breakfast? I want milk and watermelon and a gumbel. What do you <laughs> want for lunch? That is a balanced breakfast. <laughs> I want some mac and cheese and a gumbel. <laughs> And so like gumballs get ordered with all meals now, but it can't just be like, and here's your gumball, ma'am. I have to like put the machine in front of her, at which point I've lost all control of the situation. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and she eats five gumballs and she eats them. That's the other thing. Oh, no. She just chews them and swallows them? Yep. No. Cooper. Wait, Sid, so you're a doctor. You should know that's bad. I Well, and then I have to take it from her. And then she cries and says, I want to gumball. And it's the cutest thing when she says, I want to gumball. <laughs> <laughs> so then gives her more gumballs. So this gumball machine that sits on top of our refrigerator where the children can't reach it has now become the bane of my existence. <laughs> Maybe you can find some sort of like round but far more easily digestible candy to feed your child. <laughs> Something yeah, that like can go little... in the machine. Yeah. Berries. <laughs> oh, well, okay, well, no. I was thinking like those little chewy sweet tarts that are little circles, but they're chewy, but also uh-huh. they're made to be swallowed. Yeah. But I guess like blueberries that. would work, but be less fun. Yeah, healthier. I, I wouldn't feel so bad about it. Um, I, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna get that passed on your kid. Oh no. yeah, this is a different kind of candy, fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Nature's candy. I tried that with raisins. 
No. <laughs> I was surprised. Charlie is such a, a, a sweet, good-natured little kid. And when I handed her some raisins and she tried a handful and I said they're nature's candy, I really thought she was going to throw them in my face. <laughs> I don't... That, like... <laughs> Raisins are a downgrade from grapes. How do you expect them to be an upgrade from candy? They really are. <laughs> like you took a grape and made it worse. They, well, they concentrate when you dry them. It concentrates the sugar, so they're sweeter. You know that says something about how Charlie felt about raisins because pretty much any time you give her anything, if she doesn't like it, and you say, "What do you think?" she'll be like, "Well, it was good." And then you'll say, "Do you want more?" No. no. <laughs> It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. But I don't think I want any more. That's usually her go-to. Mm-hmm. No, she, I mean, she did not throw them at me, but I could see it in her little... She thought about it. I could see it in her little face as she looked up at me <laughs> <laughs> with the rage of a thousand suns. How could you, how could you hand me this? And this handful of little shriveled <laughs> whatever this is. Just grapes that have lost their life. <laughs> and call it candy. <laughs> the husks you get left when you squeeze grape juice out of the grapes mm-hmm. that's yeah. what i've given you yeah yeah so anyway i don't know it's up there uh cooper has scaled the fridge twice now in an attempt to get it She's i am not terrifying. joking <laughs> she she opens the refrigerator so she has like leverage on the shelves and will she's made it pretty far when i've caught her she's so scary yes. she has so much power she's so strong uh, she's very strong all for the gumbles. All for Gotta the gumbles. Do it, do it for the gumbles. There's Sounds only like, a, like four left, so. <laughs> well, oh, you're going to let them run out? Do you what think happens? that's going to go well? I don't know what. It's an interesting experiment. What happens when we. <laughs> there's <laughs> no, no more it, gumbles. Now, do, do you think actual grapes, would they fit in the machine? Just go through the whole mechanism <laughs> and out rolls a little grape. They're like, oh, that's that's a, that's a the new new gumble just dropped. <laughs> I gumble now. I think that if they were small, I think that the, so the gumballs in this machine are a little smaller than like they're not like big, you know, mm. gumballs. A little smaller than grapes. I think some grapes would fit, but my worry is because the way that they're moved is through like a turning, like a wheel mechanism. I'm worried that you would just squish <laughs> oh, a <no>. grape. <laughs> it just would just be like... full of squished grapes. <laughs> just pulp squeezed out of it. <laughs> it's yeah. a juicer now. Essentially, it's become a juicer. <laughs> Cooper sticks her tiny little hand under the little slot and opens up the flap and they're just grape guts. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> Sticky juice. She would throw it in my face. She would. Cooper definitely would. <laughs> Maybe like a six-lit. Six-lit. Those little, those little yeah. round dudes. Like Those are... That would work. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to replace the gumbles with something. Yeah. I wonder... Is this our Shark Tank? Is we make gumbles that are meant to be eaten, but they're still gumbles, like they still taste and look like a gumble, like that cookie dough you can just eat. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, gum is something we all usually end up eating at some point, right? <laughs> no, right? we all end up swallowing it at some point. Wait, no, I mean, like as grown-ups? Yeah, I, no, no, no. Basically, no. <laughs> why are well. you Why are you swallowing your gum? Right? Wait, is that what you do? You get You get to a point where like I don't know what else to do with it, and you just swallow it. <laughs> Wait, you're gonna be a liar. Sometimes it, we've been in a pandemic. We can't go anywhere. You're at home. Where Where are you stuck that you can't spit out your gum? Sometimes I guess I gotta live with it. 
<laughs> Sometimes it's just you're in a difficult position and there's no. nowhere to throw away your gum. I... No, there's never what no like trapped what? under something heavy or like in public and there's in no garbage some form of mortal combat like i don't <laughs> what situation can you not take a second <laughs> I know, if you don't have any garbage cans you save the wrapper when you take the gum out and keep it in your pocket okay. and then if you need to get rid of the gum quickly you put it in the wrapper and yes. stick it in your pocket that works when you have the kind of gum that comes in wrappers i prefer ice icebreakers that come in the little plastic jars containers that don't they are not individually wrapped then what do i do anyways that was my that's my shark take pitch (laughs) well i mean you know i guess if you want to invent something to circumvent just not swallowing gum that's okay (laughs) i want gum but i want it to be swallowable i want to be able to chew it and make my breath fresh and have it fulfill me but then be able to swallow it it's a it's a trash can purse sharks i've invented this trash can purse it looks like a purse but it's just a trash can specifically for putting gum in when you don't eat anymore you carry it everywhere you go do not put other items in it it is not for carrying your keys or wallet it is just for trash. You will need another purse for that. You will need a separate purse. <laughs> <laughs> this I, is I, a bad idea. I realize that this, I'm, I'm assuming that it's bad to swallow gum, Sid, but but you would know, right? Like, that's something we're all told. But is it is it bad? Does it actually stay in my tummy for no. seven years? No. It, no. Is, is Riley 50% gum at this point? <laughs> I know. Well, you, you digest what you can and the rest, you know, it makes okay. its way out of you. In the normal fashion. Well, why did why did why did the world teach I, me that it would live there for seven years? Well, I mean, like a lot of it is undigestible, and so it just goes right through you. But yeah, I don't know about the seven year thing. But the, I mean, my worry is like I I could see a um, conceivably if you ate like let's say an entire machine worth of gumballs, sure, mm. all at once as Cooper would, like some sort of blockage. Uh, occurring okay i mean i don't i i'm not saying i've seen this before but like in my doctor brain hypothetically i started worrying because my child loves gumballs so much like surely there are there is a limit here surely there is a too many well they just all get stuck in our throat eventually she goes to swallow one nope nope no more room i was just worried about stomach (laughs) filling up with gumballs now cooper is the gumball machine yes (laughs) it's like a pez you just kind of pull up on her neck and open her mouth oh no it's a horrible image, but but in a gentle way. Cooper is fine, and I am moderating the stream of gumbles, so all is well. Well, good, good. What um, are we talking yeah, about? What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, gumbles? Not, I don't know now. Uh, not not gumbles. Um, I uh, I I brought a uh, a film from 1998 to the table. Uh, SLC Punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a uh, it, when it came. I mean, I remember this being a big deal in high school, like. All of the alternative kids loved this movie. This was a kind of an iconic movie of the of the generation. Um, stars Matthew Lillard, <laughs> who is great. He is uh, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just, I mean, it tells the story of that's now the movie is set in '85, so it's not set in the time sure. it was released, mm-hmm. uh, and tells the story of two young punks uh, in search of anarchy i guess uh in salt lake city <laughs> true punkdom yes um, in utah yes the uh 
Yeah, I well, first of all, I just wanted to preface with like Matthew Lillard is so good in everything he's in, and he like is so like he always looks the same. Obviously, like he's not mm-hmm. quite like Johnny Depp transformative in terms of like you don't even recognize him as the same person. But like I that was Shaggy in the Scooby Doo, the live action Scooby Doo mm-hmm. from with a. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller. Yeah. I, I it took me like half the movie before I was like, oh my gosh, it's Shaggy. Um, I think he's great. got that thing that he's just, he, like, you're kind of rooting for him and he's likable and you just want him to be okay and win in the end. Every movie I see him in, I always think that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm immediately on his side, whatever it is he's doing. Like, oh, you, we got this, buddy. <laughs> I'm, with I'm you. rooting for you. I don't know why. There's just something about him. Does this include Scream? Yeah, when he's a murderer? Yeah, well, I mean, at the end, I realized, but, like, you don't know he's a murderer the rest of the time. He's, he's pretty likable, even after it's revealed. That he is. He's a likable murderer. <laughs> I mean, whose motivations are disturbingly unclear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a side note, but anyway. <laughs> Why'd you do it? My buddy was? I don't know. He's a really good friend, you know, very loyal. Uh, very loyal. <laughs> But um, I really, I so I had not heard of this movie, Tay. Um, That's funny. Yeah, I was not familiar with it at all. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was really surprised. I assumed that it was based on a book from the way it's sort of paced, you know, mm-hmm. and there's so much exposition. It might like it. My initial yeah. assumption was this feels like a book. That has been turned into a film, but I guess it's not, right? No, uh, the director and writer James Marandino uh, was a young punk in Salt Lake City uh, in the '80s. So he actually he wrote it, he based it on his life. But yeah, there's no source material other than his life. It's really cool because it, yeah. it really it had that feel to me, um, like a like the a narrative that you would find in a book. Mm-hmm. I also had never heard of this movie, which is less surprising because I was not alive um, either in the time it was published or when it was based. But I I wasn't sure going in just because like that that punk scene of like the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, I feel very disconnected from mostly Mm -hmm. because I didn't I was not a conscious being adult, but also just because like I, cause I, I was not, I was not uh, period, but I just, I, I've never felt like very, like I, I, the, those forms of media centered on like that group, that click or that type of teen mm-hmm. never resonated with me just because like that never really was like my experience as a teen. So I was unsure, but I really enjoyed it because it also like, I mean, it had all the other clicks or what what are they the the other the mods groups. and the mm-hmm. yeah um which felt very like almost mean girls ask pre-mean girls like the very like sec- sectioned off groups of mm-hmm. people and clicks and stuff um but also i just i, I enjoyed it. it it wasn't like you had to get the whole punk scene to get the whole vibe of the movie yeah it i mean it's it's clever it's funny yeah. it's it's yeah i mean it's well done yeah until the end, the end, the end, funny, but like it, it has sad. a lot of clever, funny <laughs> yeah. parts. Uh, yeah, it is very sad. Unexpected, also. I did not. That is not the direction I saw this going in. <sighs> I didn't. Uh, I had a feeling. Mm. I don't know. There was something about early on. I started to develop a foreboding. I think sadness, <laughs> and so I, I like. I was prepared. I started preparing myself. Like I think something sad will happen yeah. before this film ends. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a real real gut punch of an ending to an otherwise pretty, I'd say lighthearted 
movie. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a hard turn. Um, but, you know, it, I, when I first saw this film, I don't, I, I watched it in high school, I think my senior year. And it's, it's funny how I, I still enjoy this movie, but I enjoy it for completely different reasons. Because at the time I first saw it, I felt like all of these sort of tirades that they go on about what punk rock is and about what anarchy is and about what freedom is were like smart, you know, that this was mm-hmm. like ideas being ex- like expressed that I should pay attention to. And now as an adult, when I watch it and even like when I watched it, like, you know, in my my later 20s, I was like, well, that's what it feels like to be a teen and think, you know, everything and none of these people know anything about the world which it's the movie i think is aware of i think it's it's a clever movie because it kind of it plays to both audiences when you watch it as mm-hmm. a kid it feels like this is the, my new bible and then when you watch it as an adult it very much is like oh the movie is aware how little the characters know how unprepared they yeah. truly are for life mm-hmm. no it's true that, that definitely like the um it has that way of constantly undermining its own narrator and you know whereas like when you are watching it as an adult you're like well that's kind of silly (laughs) like obviously i don't believe that anymore but like yeah as a kid you would have yeah um i and i thought there were moments in it that were surprisingly not i mean i know it's set in 1985 but the movie was made in 1998 i thought that it had moments that were surprisingly progressive for 1998 Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think one thing, uh, you know, for anyone that would check it out that hasn't seen it, there is definitely some some language that's problematic. There's a, a heavy use of the of the F slur. But uh, mm-hmm. there's a conversation specifically around homophobia that I think is actually the fact that it was put in a movie that definitely was meant to appeal to like cis straight dudes. Like that's definitely yeah. who this movie is for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a conversation that, that the main characters have about basically like there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with being gay there's nothing wrong with you know people thinking that you're gay the problem is people thinking that you're gay being a problem the problem is like yes. that people think they give you crap yeah like using that as an insult it's not an insult to us and like to put that conversation or that observation in the main character's mouth is like an observation to like to an impressionable teenage audience i think it's pretty it's pretty powerful to have in there yeah. i i thought it was a really um again not I know today in 2021, we wouldn't say that that conversation is incredibly progressive. No. But in 1998, it was. um, And challenging in that sense. And I thought thought that was really well done with Adam Pascal. I was going to say. Roger from Red. (laughs) Roger in there. (laughs) Who had the... I really enjoyed his style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know what his... I don't think that he got like like a certain whatever group niche mm-hmm. click that he was in but I, I dug his whole thing yeah i think i think they said he wasn't a punk he was a he he, he liked ladies <laughs> i think that's what the definition <laughs> was he's a romantic um <laughs> yeah i I'd, thought i thought that was well done i thought i also thought it was really progressive they have that scene in there which like i don't know when i was a teenager if i would have caught on to this but they have the the at that point, it was so typical in a book or a movie or some piece of media in the late 90s to have some scene where someone with a psychiatric illness tosses out their pills and then becomes their amazing, true, wonderful, creative self. Mm-hmm. And that horrible trope was oh, was so true mm-hmm. or was so like 
shown as true in so many mm-hmm. different forms to have a scene where they're like um everybody is sort of saying like celebrating that this one character went off of her medication for her bipolar disorder and to see that the narrator the main character is clearly going like uh this doesn't seem good like i don't think this is good yeah. i think you guys are wrong and she seems to be suffering and how are you it was such a progressive voice for like destigmatizing the treatment of mental illness mm-hmm. in that one scene just mm-hmm. sort of stuck in there i mean i was really impressed with like wow that that's progressive for now because that's still a problem mm-hmm. right so i was really impressed with that yeah. scene yeah i thought so too i also just liked you mentioned um adam pascal's pascal's look mm-hmm. i thought that the style in this movie the fashion was all so good just because it was like very clear like we need to dress these people to be as representative of these like groups we're putting them in as possible but also as 80s as possible it was very good they just uh rated a hot topic for matthew lillard yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh but it's great though i mean and i think that's you know the fashion in the movie is is very well done and then there's a lot of discussion about this you know oh fashion punks they don't know anything about Mm -hmm. punk rock Mm -hmm. culture they're just fashionable but i mean really it kind of it's another one of those smart sort of turns where when you really get to know the characters it's like well you're all fashion punks like that is part of punk rock there is fashion and then there's music and then there's ideas and they're all separate things that you can engage with and that's Mm -hmm. i think more in modern times i think that's acceptable you know you see a kid walking down the street in like a studded leather jacket you don't automatically think you can engage them with a discussion about like 80s hardcore music it's just, <laughs> it's just a look and i kind of like that because i think in my day that was very much a fight like you can dress punk but you have to be ready to like answer a quiz at any time if you're looking mm-hmm. a little too punk some dude's gonna corner you and ask you to name five bands like and it, it sucked because as much mm-hmm. as i did listen to a lot of the music i also really liked the fashion <laughs> Like, yeah, I just want to dress the way I want to dress. And like, how punk rock is it if you have to like check off a list of qualifications to dress the way you want to dress? Like, that doesn't seem right. That seems very not punk to me. Right? Which she, which the the one character introduced later in the film calls attention to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just your uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, which was also very clever. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk more about Taylor specifically why you like this movie so much. But before we do that, let's check the group message. I gotta tell you all about my pants again. No, here we go. I just love them so much. The pants. I love to talk about my pants. Uh, I've had a long day at work um, and now more work, podcasting work. The hardest work in the biz. And (laughs) when I've had a long day uh, at work, I want to be comfortable, but uh, I got to look professional too, you know? I'm I'm out there doing my doctor stuff, taking care of people, and I got to look like I know what I'm doing. I want to look professional, but at the same time, it's a long day, and so I don't want to feel, you know, like I'm itchy and scratchy all day. So I wear Beta Brands dress pant yoga pants um, because I look professional. I look like I'm in the I, I'm in the workwear that everyone else is uncomfortably wearing, but secretly, I am the most comfy of all. <laughs> in secret, in secret. Uh, I am wearing Beta Brand Dress Pant Yoga Pants that feel like my favorite workout gear. They're made of wrinkle-resistant, stretch-knit fabric. 
They're perfect for long work days or just hanging out at home at the end of a work day. Or if you're working from home, it all works uh, with Beta Brand Dress Pant Yoga Pants because they are dress pants. They just secretly feel like yoga pants. Mm -hmm. Taylor, if our listeners want to check out Beta Brand Dress Pant Yoga Pants, what should they do? Well, right now, our listeners can get 25% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash buffering. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash buffering. Find out why people are ditching typical work pants for Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants. Go to betabrand.com slash buffering for 25% off. So I don't know about y'all, but this year I've been doing a lot of um, looking at screens, more so than usual. I'm a, I'm a gen I'm a Gen Z, so we look at screens a lot, anyways. But now all my school and all my interactions with people seem to be on screens, um, which means sometimes I need a break. And when I do that, I still wanna I still wanna get engaged with the world. Maybe maybe you like to listen to the news. Maybe you like to listen to a podcast, mm. or maybe uh, Taylor Swift's new album. Whatever it <laughs> is you want to do, that you need you need those good accessories for. You need to give your eyes a break. And get the content you crave with Raycon wireless earbuds. They have no dangling wires or stems to get in your way, which is perfect for me if I decide maybe I want to go on a walk or I want to go for a run or get a workout in. You don't mm -hmm. have to worry about those wires or stems getting in your way, falling out, tripping you up. Um, and they come in a range of stylish colors, but always with a comfortable in-ear fit for a more discreet look. So again, they're not going to fall out and you look pretty sleek while, while, you're, while you're wearing them. Um, they're built with water and sweat resistant construction and Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly and with enough battery life for six whole hours. And the best part, you know what the best part is? What is it? They make great sound accessible to everyone because their wireless earbuds start at half the price of other premium audio brands. Mm -hmm. So you get those those accessories for your long working from home days, maybe all those Zoom calls, then you take them to the gym with you, maybe out for a walk if you're not going to the gym yet. Um you know, uh, for all your needs. Raycon's, Raycon's got you covered. So, Taya, if our listeners want to check out Raycon, what should they do? Well, Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for our listeners. And here's what you got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash buffering. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash buffering. Buyraycon.com slash buffering. So, Tay. Yes. What? Other than obviously, like the fashion <laughs> we have discussed, uh, the uh, Matthew Lillard and his um, undeniable X quality. Uh, what else drew you to this film so strongly when you were young? Well, you know, it's funny because I, I think when I was young, when I watched it, I felt like it wasn't for me. I enjoyed it, but I felt like it wasn't for me because I was still at a period of time where I felt like I wasn't like. Like I was a poser, like I wasn't good enough mm -hmm. for the scene. I like mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't belong in the scene, and like I I liked everything the movie was selling me. But like, where do I find that? Like, I want to be a part of that. How do how am I good? How do I get good enough to be a part of that? Which is you know weird to think about now because none of these people are really leading like good lives. I'd say in retrospect. Um, and then I think like after having like spent time in the scene and seeing a lot of what the movie is showing, you know, like, like living in a punk house, but like being judged by the more punk apartments in the building, like they, they called us like the townies because we weren't punk enough and like we didn't wear like 
denim vest with lots of band patches on them. <laughs> like, it's like, like you all look the same. Like, what? I'm sorry that we don't have that. Like, you know, I think have to. I don't even know where to buy a denim vest. <laughs> well, actually, no. I I was I was a little I was a little butthead. So when I heard that, uh, I went out and I, I thrifted a, a, a denim vest, and I had a lot of like anime patches and mm-hmm. like I had like a Deadpool t-shirt that I cut up to make a back patch and I got some Girl Scout I found a sash of Girl Scout badges at a thrift store and I cut those off and put them on the, on the vest just to be like here oh you gosh. go look it's fashion punk <laughs> you know what's more legitimate you all have like your perfectly you know uh, cultivated like band selection on your vest that you bought at your underground shows okay cool I'm repping Sailor Moon I'm repping what I like you've got what you like why are you more legitimate than me um, it reminds me of I do you remember that five star binder I had in school the fabric one and I went and specially bought all those patches from Hot Topic to put on it <laughs> yes. I was so I so carefully selected just the right patches to like iron on to my fabric five star binder so mm-hmm. that I had just the right look for school. I don't remember what grade, maybe middle school, but I still remember showing up with like my peace signs or whatever I had ironed onto it. Like I am the coolest. <laughs> I just remember getting a tiny baby denim vest at some point when I was, I mean, probably like 12. And mm-hmm. I, mom got it for me and was like, you know, Taylor has a really cool denim vest. And I <laughs> gave it to Taylor like, hey, can you put studs on it and cool patches? And I, I was going to say, yeah. I remember doing that. <laughs> yeah, I had a tiny little baby denim punk vest. <laughs> you had a battle vest when you were like 10. I did. <laughs> Uh, but but that's what I think that's why I, I you know, grew to love the more movie more than it when I originally saw it, because I, I appreciated the way that it kind of it was clearly it's not hating on punk culture. It's a very smart, very informed assessment on it from somebody that also spent time in the scene. And I think, you know, that that you realize that, like, if you're seeking it out because you like the ethics it, it offers or the, you know, this idea of like freedom and like revolution and like being thinking for yourself like you're not gonna find that by hiding in a scene of a bunch of people that want everyone to dress the same way and listen to the same bands and stand there with their arms crossed and nodded to music the same way like that's you're not gonna find it there you're gonna find it in the music you're gonna find it in the in the writing that's involved in that scene like that's where it lives it isn't necessarily gonna live in some like group you can find that's just another click you know if you want to be an individual you're you can't be an individual with a bunch of other individuals that were all individually in the same way <laughs> mm-hmm. well i mean it, it he states it from the very beginning and i didn't realize until i'd watched more of the movie and i kind of got a sense for what the movie was um that like he was into anarchy and so were all of his friends and he was sort of like i forget how he, like at the center he was in the he he insinuates that he's the leader of the anarchists, which is, uh, you know, the antithesis of, anar- <laughs> of anarchy. Like, anarchy is not organized. <laughs> um, that is at its core. That's the whole thing. And so it, it's kind of like in retrospect, it's like, well, he told you from the jump right. yeah. that like I'm kind of young mm-hmm. and I kind of don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, um, I'm having fun here. Right. That's like the whole that I, I used to not really understand the the whole fight. Why we fight breakdown. But mm-hmm. like now I get what like it's it's 
ironic because he's saying like we fight in order to like enforce this structure but we're anarchists so in order to enforce our ideas of anarchy we have to impose a structure on other people wait (laughs) like that's not right (laughs) well and it, it does a good job of like um there are moments that because it's so like funny and tongue in cheek and you know it's kind of silly at times there are moments where the tension gets to a point where it gets it gets so disturbing by contrast to what has just been like um aside from the ending the scene where the one guy um mark oh yeah the the pulls out the gun the guy that sells some drugs yes (laughs) yeah Mm. that scene i found like very intense like almost upsetting like Mm -hmm. i was sort of like melting into the couch like please don't oh he's gonna shoot somebody oh i'm gonna oh somebody's gonna like i was so sure this was about to be it became so unsettling and there are several moments in there where like you can see that sort of like violence and anger and rage and like the direction it goes isn't like funny and cool it's like Mm -hmm. i don't i the whole i forget the character's name because i kept wanting to call him marshall from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, oh. <laughs> Jason Siegel's character? Uh, yes. Yeah. Mike. I believe it's Mike. Yes, Mike. Yeah. I kept thinking, like, because even at the end, he's like, he wants to go protect the rainforest. And I'm like, <laughs> it's Marshall. He's an environmental lawyer. <laughs> it's Marshall. Um, but, like, it's funny because he's he looks nerdy, but he's really tough. Mm-hmm. He's, like, the big tough guy. And, like, haha, it's funny. And, he you know, he beats up the bouncer on stage, and that's funny or whatever. And then it's like... And now he takes a baseball bat to all the cars in the neighborhood. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, like, there's some. Yeah. And then, and like, the there's a, the one scene at the party where he's like, you know, you want to know how cool this guy is? And he just, like, bashes this guy's head in. And he's like, see? Rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Moving on. And it's like, no. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, and, you know, the, it's funny because that, that was an element of it that I I... I, w- I was trying to figure out, like, what is the inclusion, especially, like, the, the Mark scene with the gun. Like, what is the inclusion of this for? But I do think it's, it, it, once again, it's coming from the the writer's life. Because I think that there were a lot of stupid things, like, that I took place, like, took part on, or at least witnessed to, that we would do back at the gross punk house. Because I don't, and I was like, what were you trying to prove? We were trying to prove that we were, like down for anything and like crazy and like wild and like it, it was just dangerous it was just stupid it's like throwing away logic is not punk rock i mean or maybe it is but then i guess i'm not punk rock like well it also that they they talk so much about doing like drinking and doing acid and stuff like that and like the idea of a lot of the scenes seem like the memories you'd have a, when you were altered by something a lot of scenes seem sort of like off in a way that like yeah if you were drunk or high or whatever during that Mm -hmm. it probably seemed like that um and then there are those moments like that scene with with, you know mark with the gun that cut through that i mean and it it feels very realistic in that sense where like i mean for me it would have it would have just been like a time i was drinking and then like something intense happens and all of a sudden everything like the colors are too bright and everything's super real and everything's really raw because everything was sort of fuzzy right before Mm -hmm. I feel like the movie echoes that very well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, you know, that goes back to the idea that these these kids are they're playing at anarchists. They're playing at, at punk rock. It's this fun image to adopt and 
a scene to run around in and music to listen to, but applied to the real world, stuff gets real. Like that's not, that's not, they're not existing in the real world in this movie. They're the real world's out there and it's not something they're ready for, which I think is kind of the point of the end of the movie. Yeah. That's how, when you were talking about like memories being fuzzy when you're high drunk or whatever, and then being very real because it's not that anymore and it's very intense. That's how I felt about the whole end of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like what, what happens with, um, um, Bob, Bob. Yes, Bob. I was going to call him heroin because that's what they call him, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Bob, yeah. Okay. Heroin Bob. Um, but that was very, I was not, again, I was not expecting that to happen at the end of it. And then also when you get to what happened to, like what Matthew Lillard's character grew into as an adult, it all feels just very like real and, and a stark contrast and also just like, well, that was the real, the real world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, wasn't exactly ready for that. It reminded me a little bit of the end of um, With Nail and I, if you've ever seen that movie, Mm-mm. where they're all like, Mm-mm. well, I won't re- I won't go on about a movie you all haven't seen, but um, the idea of like coming down from a high mm-hmm. is very much the theme of that. And, it, and I felt that towards the end, like when you wake up and then reality's there. Now, do, what do you think of the end when he does become the lawyer that he, he, uh, he gonna, becomes the suit and cuts his hair uh, off? I was going to say, Riley, this is just a companion to Legally Blonde, That's right? exactly that what I was thinking. <laughs> like, his dad applies for him, yeah, to Harvard Law School, uh-huh. and he gets in, again, a person that, like, what, like, Elle Woods, basically, like, how'd they mm-hmm. get into Harvard Law School? I mean, he's very smart, he gets into Harvard Law School, um, and he becomes, I, well, like, a, a suburban husband lawyer at Harvard Law School, which, I mean, he, I don't know. I... I I think it's funny when he starts talking about and I, like at first I was like, oh, come on. And then I realized like, oh, there's this is intentional. They're undercutting it when he's like, I'm going to fight the system from within. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I bet that's what okay. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Is that what you <laughs> I bet you're fighting the system yeah. from within. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, because his because to have the whole like ethics of the scene put in steve-o's mouth as like the narrator it isn't it's it's an interesting choice because he's a he's a rich kid with like very loving parents like they're Mm -hmm. divorced but they're they're very involved in his life they're very they're they want different things for him but they aren't rejecting him because he's not going to do what they want him to do yeah like and and he he loves his parents like he doesn't have like an antagonistic you you kind of expect that that he'd be like oh you know my parents are late like that he's like he gets along well with his parents. Um, and then he ends up going to Harvard Law School and having this life like kind of handed to him. And then you parallel that with his best friend, Bob, who grew up in a very like broken home, who dealt with a lot of, you know, it's implied, but a lot of abuse as a kid. And like, and I mean, it, it's kind of, if you want to talk about like the, the, the there is a scene that just Steve was kind of playing in this, this idea of like, Oh, I'm gonna play in poverty and like live in this this trashy loft because I can for a little while, you know. Yeah. I'm gonna play in the scene, but it was never real to him. And if you really want to talk about someone who it was real to, like that was, it's kind of Bob, and it's sort mm-hmm. of like I don't know. It's uh, it was it's, so it was very sad. <laughs> yeah. 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 That contrast. I mean, that I I've I. I, like I said, I had that sense of foreboding, and then when he takes the pills in that scene, I was like, I know exactly where this is going. I was just, I, I knew where we were headed, and I was so dreading it because I knew how 
sad it was going to be. Yes. Um, Especially so because they call him heroin Bob, but also he's scared of needles mm-hmm. and doesn't do anything besides what smoke cigarettes and drink alcohol. Right. He's very anti-drug. Yeah. And he just takes what he thinks are like Tylenol for a headache mm-hmm. that he's got. And it was that girl gave him something stronger, some sort of antipsychotic or something. Uh, I think it was a Percocet. They said mm-hmm. Percodan, but another yeah. form of an opiate, it's oxycodone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I thought. That was hard. That was rough. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, another rough part uh, that uh, I thought, again, like to talk about these things in in 1998 is such a bigger deal than it would be now because we're so much more open about all these ideas. Devin Sawa's character. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I was like, is that Devin <laughs> Saw? Yes. Devin Sawa, the heartthrob of the 90s? With green Liberty Spikes. Mm-hmm. Devin, uh, Devin Saw's character was also a tragic character mm-hmm. that is just sort of thrown in there and like almost makes Steve-O have that like realization. You can see he almost gets it when it's like, oh, haha, it, we have this funny story about how he took too much acid and then his mom got scared of him and then he got taken to a psychiatric hospital and now he's back out and his mom won't let him move back in with him and he can't get a job. And oh, this isn't funny. Mm-hmm. This isn't quirky. This isn't. And but like he, he's not quite there yet. He doesn't get there till Bob at the end of the movie. But right. like, it's all telegraphed very clearly. And again, these are not things we, we we still don't talk about those things enough now. Let mm-hmm. alone in the nineties, right? Well, and I think that that gets to that same heart of like, you know, I don't think the movie is condemning a scene but i think it's talking about the dangers of like creating your identity around something like this like it's i, I mean i i can say that they're, they're friends that i lost that you know just like through accidents through drug overdoses things from that scene and that doesn't make me think all of it was bad but like this this desire to be the most legitimate punk or whatever is dangerous because it's like no if you enjoy it for the fashion and the music and the community that's great but when you go seeking this deeper thing that makes you like more legit than everyone else there's a lot of danger there trying to like pursue mm-hmm. this loose concept of anarchy like where does that where does that lead you yeah if you're lucky harvard law well, apparently I, no because he was a poser that's what he t- says in the end oh i guess that's true yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. Which is funny to me uh, and a little bit ironic and maybe just the point of the whole movie is that like so much of it is trying to be like authentically anarchist and punk and not being a poser. And then that's, I mean, your narrator has been the whole time. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I, I think that that's, funny. yeah. And that's, you know, and that's even like, you know, throwing around the word anarchy. Like we're not talking about people that are versed in the politics of like actual like anarchy is a political idea. It's just people that, that like anarchy means I, I get drunk and like do drugs and like party and yeah. and like super okay with dangerous situations. Like that's not <laughs> that's not right. anarchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and it's because it's not because like on one hand like they beat up some Nazis and that's like good, but then right. but then they're also they just beat up those two guys who are in a pickup truck. Yeah, which like I think we're assuming a lot about these gentlemen, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> and it may be true, but still, we don't know this. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what a, I have to ask before we finish talking, did you, have you ever seen the sequel? <laughs> I, no, no. I, I watched a trailer, so I was curious. That's, that's, a, I was going to watch it and then it, it's not streaming anywhere. Like it's kind of hard to find. Uh, I read a few reviews. It didn't seem like people thought very highly of it. Uh, there is a sequel. It's, it, it involves, uh, Bob's son. Um, and, and the ghost of Bob. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it. It it stars Machine Gun Kelly. Um, is, uh-huh. is in this movie. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if watching it would would bum me out or not. <laughs> I I saw that that Bob is in it, like, and he is deceased in the movie, mm-hmm. and but talking about things, and I was like, I don't know that oh. I can do this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, know. Yeah. I don't know that I'm ready for this. Yeah. And Matthew Lillard is not in it, unfortunately. No. Then what's even the point? Well, that's true. He had gone. He had gone on to bigger things. He's in a show called Good Girls currently. In case mm. you're curious, I don't know what he was up to these days. Yep. Well, I'll watch it. I'll watch anything. Well, with I mean, it's pretty good, but also he's 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 good. Yeah, he's also a good follow on Twitter because anytime anyone's like, "I love Matthew Lillard," he's like, "Why?" Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, well, Tay, I really appreciate you um, bringing this movie because I really enjoyed it. It was mm-hmm. fun. It was interesting. It was thoughtful. Um, and like I said, I really like for movies made in that time. I always you always are kind of ready, like bracing yourself for all the ideas that you're going to be like, no, oh, no. Yeah. And like, honestly, other than as you said, I think it's important to know there is there is a good bit of use of the, the F slur. Other than that, I mean, it's a it's a. Pretty progressive film. For I was its shocked. Time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you thought so. Yeah, and I, th- I think be- because of the audience, it was clearly meant to play to, and that that's really where I think it had its power. Like it was good ideas, but in the language that those people would understand. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me glad you brought it to us to see because I don't think I ever would have watched it mm-hmm. um, and never had heard of it and seen it. So yeah, same here. I'm glad. Awesome. Yeah. I was really glad. Uh, it does. I, I think that we've made this clear, too. If you're thinking about watching it and you haven't seen it yet, it does have a lot of violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's not a comfortable movie. <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. So I think that's it's good to note that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Tay. Yeah, thanks, Tay. You're welcome. All right, Riley, what's next? You know what's next. <laughs> oh, no. You know what's next. It's, it's Groundhog Day on it's, uh, Still Buffering. Uh, <laughs> listen, Taylor Taylor Swift doesn't rest. She doesn't sleep. All she does is make all of us feel <laughs> bad about how, little, about how little we've done <laughs> throughout the much, pandemic. Much like the girl from the rings. <laughs> she doesn't sleep. Taylor Swift doesn't sleep. <laughs> Wait, is this, why, is this why you keep having to tell people about her albums on our... On our yes. show, like oh. you, you will die in seven days if yes. you haven't spread the word. <laughs> it's a chain email. I have to keep passing it on. Um, oh, and you've already listened. Oh no, <laughs> no. I want to Taylor. If Taylor Swift re-recorded her second album ever called Fearless, it came out in 2008 the first time, and she re-recorded it. But there are some new tracks, and um, there's there's a whole story there if you don't know it. And also, it just came out last week. So, all right then, we'll talk about that. That will be very different from this week. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Not very different from the other two episodes we've done on Taylor Swift. No. But, but different than this week. Yes. And now, if, if Taylor Swift would drop a 
punk rock album, which she's got to get around to, right? She's covered. Man. <laughs> like there are some punk covers of Taylor Swift songs that are better than the original. So she's got to get on that at some point. I, I would. I, I, I don't want to say better because I don't want to disrespect your lady. But yes, like, I've enjoyed <laughs> quite a better. few punk covers. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you again, Tay. Um, this has been a, a fun movie to talk about. I would encourage all of you to watch it if you haven't. And uh, thank you, listeners. Yeah. Thank also you. has a great soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, as far as I could tell from the movie. Yeah. I agree. Yes. A lot of just seminal punk of the day, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It was very fun. Um, thank you to Maximum Fun. You should go to MaximumFun.org and listen to all the great podcasts there. And you can tweet at us at StillBuff and you can email us at StillBuffering.MaximumFun.org. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby, You Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And I am too. Okay, I swear you had some of the outfits. Matthew <laughs> I swear you did. You're, you're discovering my fashion sense somewhere between Howl's Movie Castle and Matthew Lillard. And <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know why it makes sense, but it does. It, it, it does. does. It works. Are you riddled with guilt over your TBR pile? Are you filled with shame about a book that you just can't seem to finish? Are you having regrets because grad school killed your love of reading? We're Reading Glasses and we're here to help. I'm Mallory. And I'm Bria. Let us absolve you of all your reading guilt. Stuck on a book you don't like? We'll help you dump it. Can't figure out what to read next? We'll recommend something in your wheelhouse. Can't decide where to buy your books from? We'll point you in the right direction. No matter what you read or how you read it, we'll help you do it better. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.